The tour content from now through Lagwa Omer has been generously sponsored by Malki M. Thank you, Malki. June is less than a month away, which means that I'll soon be transitioning into summer writing mode with more Substack articles and fewer recorded shiurim. The bulk of these articles will remain free. However, if you would like to support my Torah and gain access to additional spicy written content, consider becoming a paid subscriber by going to rabbishneweis.substack.com and signing up today. Hello, I'm Rabbi Matt Schneeweiss, and this is the Stoic Jew Podcast, where we explore the relationship between Judaism and Stoicism. Uh, today's reading is our fourth episode on the excerpt from Seneca's letter number two. Uh, and again, just to read that for the fourth time in a row, uh, he wrote, Judging by what you write me and by what I hear, I am forming a good opinion regarding your future. You do not run hither and thither and distract yourself by changing your abode, for such restlessness is the sign of a disordered spirit. The primary indication to my thinking of a well-ordered mind is a man's ability to remain in one place and linger in his own company. In the last episode, we talked about Naval Ravikant's um, radical method of meditation of sitting for 60 minutes and doing nothing, uh, no technique, uh, no mantras, no breathing, no nothing, and... Uh, for 60 days, consecutive days, an hour a day. Um, and I mentioned the theory I had based on the Rambam's uh, interpretation in his Pirish Mishnayos of the the practice of the Hasidim HaRishonim, of the early uh, pious sages, that they would wait for an hour before davening for prayer, and they would daven for an hour, and then they would uh, wait for an hour after davening. And the Rambam says waiting means they would they would pause and let their conversations and their thoughts cease. Not that they would be thinking about stuff, but that they would not be thinking about stuff. Um, and so I thought, what if that's what it meant? Um, uh, what if that's what, what the Rama meant, that they would sit and and clear their minds for an hour before and after hour after davening? So I mentioned that uh, on my vacation, I was in a cabin for five days and four nights, and I wanted to try doing this experiment of sitting for an hour doing nothing. And I wanted to do it for five consecutive days. Unfortunately, the first day I got in, I was too tired, and I knew if I tried, I would fall asleep. Um, so I did it for days, uh, for the second, third, and fourth day. Okay, so I wanted to talk about what the results were on each of the days and what benefits I got from it that I think are of interest from a Jewish perspective um, and uh, and how they relate to tefillah. So day one was the strangest uh, and hardest day. Um, I set my watch alarm um, for an hour, sat down uh, in front of the wood wood stove uh, on, a, on the, the futon and closed my eyes and just did nothing. And let me tell you, uh, it was loud in my head. <laughs> when Marcus Aurelius said, nowhere does a man retreat into more quiet or privacy than into his own mind. <laughs> yeah, maybe for him. But my mind was filled with 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 thoughts and voices and and like, I mean, it was it was I could basically divide it into two things. One was was thoughts about what I I um I needed to do, meaning I had just come back from uh, from New York uh, and was uh, still within the first couple of days of my vacation. So I was thinking about stuff that I needed to do when I got back to New York and and uh, and changes I wanted to make and like, you know, thoughts about that or even thoughts about what I had to do later on in the vacation. You know, like I had to go get a coronavirus test uh, um, from traveling and like a bunch of stuff like that. So those thoughts were intruding. And then the other thoughts, which were more surprising, were thoughts about the practice itself is this is stupid. This is a waste of time. Like I could be reading, I could be learning. And then absurd thoughts like maybe I set my alarm wrong. Now, the reason why that's an absurd thought is any of my students will tell you that I always set my alarm afresh every period so that it beeps one minute before the period ends. I've set this alarm 
tens of thousands of times probably. So there's no chance I set my alarm wrong, you know, yet my mind was so uncomfortable sitting there just stewing in my own thoughts that it wanted me to open my eyes and check my watch to make sure I set the alarm right, you know? So a lot of noisy thoughts. And I actually did violate uh, Naval Ravikant's um, advice uh, by, I did engage in some other mindfulness techniques that I'd done before. Namely, um, I did, I focused on my breathing um, and I also um, cycled between different uh, awarenesses of my different senses. So for example, pausing for 10 seconds and saying, and just focusing on what I can hear, then switching to what I can feel, then switching to what I can taste, then switching to what I can smell. And obviously I wasn't seeing anything. So Naval was correct. I mean, I don't know for sure, but it took about a half an hour, I sense, to get really um, uh, into the zone. And by zone, what I mean is we are used to doing things in amounts of time, <laughs> meaning our life is split up into segments of time and schedules where let's say I have an hour, let's say I'm teaching a class for an hour. So there's a beginning, middle and end of the class. And like, I'm moving towards that, 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 you know, that end from the beginning through a certain process and I'm accomplishing something, or let's say it took me an hour to drive to this cabin. So sitting in the car for an hour, you know, at the beginning I was at home half an hour, I was halfway there. And then, you know, I was eventually there. So around, at around half an hour of sitting, doing nothing, it hit me I've been sitting here for a half an hour, a half an hour doing nothing, and I got nowhere, you know? And that was an interesting realization of like, okay, I might as well settle in. Um, and 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 that was, and then once I did that, then the clamoring of my inner mind, I wouldn't say it died down at all. I mean, <laughs> entirely, but there's a certain re resignation to, okay, we're here, you know? Um, I had another experience like this, only once that I can remember is we had a, a uh, I guess you call it a birthday cruise. Uh, there's a uh, uh, one of my friends in yeshiva was having his uh, had a surprise 40th birthday party. So we went. Out, they rented like this little boat, uh, like a party boat or whatever, and we just went out at night onto this. Um, I don't even know where it was. I don't know if it was a lake or whatever. Just driving around, or not driving, being out on the boat. And I was thinking to myself, like, this is weird. Like. I, I'm not used to just being on a boat on the water, not going to a specific place. So and I had this feeling of calm of like, okay, we're not going anywhere right now. So that was one interesting experience that happened. Okay. Then the other interesting experience that happened was with my inner voices and my, um, uh, my, uh, my, you know, my thoughts and, 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 and anxieties. So during, I, I don't typically have insomnia, but during the pandemic, my insomnia ratcheted up a lot. Uh, and the form it took was I would wake up in the middle of the night. I would never have a hard time going to sleep usually, but I'd wake up in the middle of the night and then my mind would be racing about like what I have to do the next day or what I have to do the next week or what my future is going to be like, or, or, you know, like, uh, am I going to have with the pandemic? It was, am, am I going to have a job, you know? Um, uh, and so those thoughts would be racing and that would prevent me from going to sleep. And there would be another series of thoughts of the more I think about these thoughts, then the less time there is to sleep tonight. So there's a pressure of, I got to get to sleep. So the combination of, of that pressure to go to sleep and the pressure from the thoughts themselves, um, like it just, it, it, it just was like a, a, a negative feedback loop of anxiety. But during this hour of sitting and doing nothing, what I found what happened was I'm not trying to get to sleep and I'm not even trying to go anywhere. So the thought would come to the, to my mind, like the, the little inner voice of anxiety would say it's peace. And then it would kind of lose its power. It'd be like, okay, now what? And then it would go away, you know? 
Um, and I'm not saying that I got over my anxieties. I'm saying that that the in, when you're when you're trying to go to sleep and 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 you're in that that you know groggy state, like the voice could say the same things over and over and over again, or it could like what's the word I'm looking for? Not not uh, not oscillate, um, ruminate. I don't know. There's another word I'm looking for. Uh, fixate on it, you know. But when I was fully awake and just doing nothing, the voice would say its piece, and then and then that would be it, you know. And then eventually the hour was up and I was like, okay, that was interesting. But then the next benefit happened between the sessions. Okay. So for the remainder of that day and for the first part of the next day, before I engaged in session number two, whenever I had a thought that would come to my mind uh, about what I had to do when I got back to civilization or when I got back to New York or some thought of anxiety, I would say, oh, you know what? Like I'm going to be doing nothing later on tomorrow. I'm just going to file it away for then. And then it would be easily dismissed, you know? So I, I, I was able to know now that I had experienced what an hour was like, then I was able like somehow that made the voices of anxiety and stress more obedient to the point where I was able to dismiss them with a wave of the hand during my waking hours. And that in turn allowed me to focus more on what I was doing. So and this is going to lead to um, to when we talk about davening in a second. But by focusing on more what I was doing, I meant that. You know, not that I get super distracted when I'm reading, but, you know, all I was doing in this cabin was reading and learning. That's pretty much it. I mean, and eating also. But like when you read for many, many hours, sometimes your mind wanders, you know, and my mind didn't wander as much. And maybe that was happenstance. But I think it's because I I, I did what Naval Ravikant said of like clearing out the inbox, you know, and I had that time set aside of an hour where I'm not doing anything. OK, so session number two went better. Uh, I was, uh, maybe it still took 20 minutes to a half an hour to get into the zone, but I got there. I knew what an hour felt like now and I, I got there quicker and it was kind of uneventful, um, in a good way. <laughs> okay. It was doing nothing in a good way. Now the third session was very interesting for two reasons. One is because the third session, I timed it to be right before I dove into Mincha. Okay. And I, I like I said, I, part of this was, uh, wanting to figure out is, you know, is there uh, can we do an experiment to see whether this has my my understanding of the Ramam's interpretation of the halacha of waiting an hour before davening has anything to do with any any uh, enhancement of tefillah. So the earliest time I could daven mincha was twelve forty five. So I I set my I started um, the I set my hour to be at twelve at eleven forty three. So from eleven forty three to twelve forty three was my hour. So it went very well. You know, same experience as day two. Um, and then what happened was the weirdest thing is suddenly in the midst of the blackness of the doing nothing, the numbers 1242 flashed into my mind. Now, remember, I had set my alarm to go off in 1243. And I thought to myself, huh, wouldn't it be weird if like it really was 1242 right now? Remember, my eyes are closed. I'm not looking at my watch. And I thought to myself, what if my body somehow knows how long an hour is? So I said, let me count 60 seconds and see how if, if I'm anywhere even near an hour. So I start counting 60 seconds from one, one, two, three, and I get to 58 and then the alarm goes off, which means that either I got really lucky or my internal clock really knew exactly how long an hour was. <laughs> you know, um, And uh, it's not so surprising if that's the case, because at, at the high school I taught at, I shall have it, then um, um, Allah Shalom, uh, Allah Shalom, um, then... Uh, our periods were 59 minutes of each. So I got very used to that, the, you know, the exact hour. Um, but then I went immediately from there, you know, I, I washed my hands, said ashray and, and, uh, and daven at the earliest possible time. And let me tell you again, maybe, maybe this is placebo, but my kavana was much better in davening in the sense that 
all of the thoughts that would have intruded into my Kavana during Shimon Esrei did not intrude because I had given them free reign for a full hour beforehand, you know? Um, and, um, and so that really gave me hope that, uh, again, I don't know if this is what the Hasidim HaRishonim were doing, but this gave me hope that there is merit in sitting and doing nothing before davening and letting all of the thoughts that would distract you during davening, let them play in the yard before davening, you know? And I can imagine that if I did this for 60 days, I would get very good at it. And if I did this before every tefillah, obviously, again, I'm not, I'm not saying that that's humanly possible, especially because we daven three times a day, Chazal only daven once a day, or, or the Chasim HaRishonim, you know, but if this were possible, you would have a very clear mind during tefillah. Now, what about the hour after tefillah? So this is another thing that, like I mentioned before, is... You know, usually when we are done davening, we immediately leap back into into uh, our lives. And the thoughts of what we are going to be doing later on that day and like the thoughts of all the responsibilities we have, those immediately start crowding in. Again, they, they usually start crowding into our minds during tefillah. But if you knew, if you had this discipline of emptying your mind, and if you knew that after davening, uh, you had an hour where you were sitting and doing nothing, I can easily see how the effects of davening and, and the thoughts and the feelings that you had during tefillah would have time to settle in and that you would really internalize them more without the distracting intrusion from, from these thoughts from the outside. So, um, again, I did this for three days in a row, and then I actually did it, uh, those that was in the cabin, uh, the next day, I, did the, I didn't do it the next day, the, the morning after that I did it again, and then on Shabbos morning I did it again. Um, so I did it five days total. Um this summer, I do want to try doing it uh, uh, for 60 days in a row just to see if it's possible and see what happens. But um, I encourage you to try it if only for two consecutive days. And I say two consecutive days because uh, I think, like I said, the first session was really wild and, uh, and not knowing how long an hour is uh, it can, can be itself its own distraction. And then if you do it the next day, you'll have a sense of what the hour is because you can have a, a pure experience. Again, I mean, I know not everyone has the luxury to be have an hour of quiet, you know, um, and it's not like it has to be exactly, you know, perfectly quiet. But I imagine if you have like, you know, kids or like, you know, uh, spouse uh, running around, then uh, it, it's not going to really be effective. Um, so if you have the ability to try it. I suggest you try it and you do so for at least two consecutive sessions. If you if you do and you find it beneficial, uh, let me know. I'm very, very curious as to the experiences other people will have when they do this experiment. Uh, you know, feel free to email me at rabbishnewas at gmail.com um, and, uh, and, you know, we can compare notes. Uh, that is it for today's episode. And that is it as far as I know for um, at least this part of letter number two. Um, so we'll move on to something else after this. Uh, if you've gained from what you've learned here today and would like to support my production of even more Torah content, please consider contributing to my Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Link is in the description. Uh, thank you to my listeners for listening and thank you to my patrons for supporting my efforts to make Torah ideas available and accessible to everyone.